What's going on, everybody? This is James Grandmaster Facts Boyce, and this is another episode of the Facts Project. Today, special guest, James Enoch Church from Black Minds Publishing, creator of Immortal Dark, brand new manga that's out there on Kickstarter right now with about like nine days left. So thank you for being here, brother. Yo, thank you for having me. Um, I have been hearing a lot about you through like the grapevine and other creators that I'm cool with. So I'm glad to like finally be able to sit down and chop it up with you. I appreciate that, man. Nah, yeah. nah, that, that means a lot. That means a lot. So um, for, for one, I wanted to ask you, this, this being your first go round, um, of course, being a fan of comics for so long mm-hmm. and having the opportunity to basically put yours out for the very first time. How does it feel? Because you you've already you're you're fully funded already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yo, it is it's crazy because you know the Kickstarter is is for chapter two, and I was really really apprehensive about using Kickstarter. Uh, for a lot of reasons, I've heard like so many stories about like creators going into debt and you know all those things, and like I have like a weird. I have a weird relationship with crowdfunding in general, um, mm-hmm. which is like, it's a thousand percent like some personal shit, <laughs> for, real, for real, for real. Understood. Um, yeah, but I had, uh, you know, posted a live talking about just like the complications with funding because um, chapter one was funded basically majority from my pocket. And then Tommy, who was our editor, pitched in and then two of my close friends pitched in as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like having it be fully funded before we finished already like surpassed my expectations. <laughs> you feel me? Like I thought it was gonna take the full 30 days. Uh-huh. And um, shout out to um Brian Covington from Between Magic and Dreams because he was actually the one who after I, I did the live talking about my funding um like complications and like my apprehensions with kickstarter he hit me up like immediately after and was like yo like let me put you on game he gave me some tips about how to navigate kickstarter how to like make sure i'm not going into debt and then he also did a live with me to like help promote and that like that day we jumped from 1600 to like 2200 like before the live was even done it was it was crazy so it's it's really affirming um, it makes me feel very appreciated by the community. Um, and like, I mean, words of affirmation is one of my love languages. So it's like uh-huh. that, that, that shit is really, it's really giving me all the things um, that I will hope for from like putting something that is like a labor of my passions out. That's what's happening, man. So let's get into this book. Mm-hmm. Um, so from from how I've, I'm going to describe it myself, um, I, I'm looking at a supernatural martial arts manga um, with the inter- interesting dichotomy between uh, two very, very powerful individuals who happen to be siblings, mm-hmm. uh, Nico Savage mm-hmm. and his sister, who happens to be the stronger one out of the two at the moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you describe this as a, as a, almost like a, a love letter to mental health being a driving force. Mm-hmm. And how is that subjective in this book? Yeah. Um, so mental health is like specifically as it relates to 
black people like obviously I, I care about mental health as a whole but yeah with me being black and me coming from a black family where generational trauma is like a thing um that is like my primary focus and then you know you can just take that knowledge and apply it to any other culture if you want to mm-hmm. um and i found it really important to have something that's centered on that because i'm a, a avid consumer of anime manga comics and sometimes i feel like that be the the little key that's missing like mm-hmm. i think about like sasuke and i always i'm a big sasuke fan but part of the reason i'm a, a huge sasuke fan is because i'm a trauma-informed educator and because i'm like reading into like all these things that are happening that kishimoto didn't necessarily do the best job of like you know presenting in the story and so i'm like what does it look like to have a project that does center on that and still gives you all the things that you like about like those those genres um and so with the first book um i really was trying to figure out how do i create a first chapter that keeps people's attention gets people interested without doing like an information dump or like all these things and then how do i also do that while still tying in the mental health aspect so that it's clear like this is not going to be just like your regular thing like mental health is going to be a thread throughout the whole thing mm-hmm. so um i pulled some ideas from a couple different spaces that that culminated into what is chapter one so the first the first thing i pulled from um mar not marvel dc uh when i first started writing the chapters the script for the chapters um, they were doing, they had just started their run for DC Future State. Yeah. Um, and I was reading, what was it called? <sighs> Is it Future State Detective? It's the one where basically the whole city is out to get Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, he is like a super dumbed down version of Batman because he doesn't have access to all the high tech stuff and like all that. Right. And the chapter started with him talking about how Gotham is a graveyard. And it was like a, it was just like a narration dialogue. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, this is a really good way to set the scene for the manga. So I need to make sure that the introduction starts off with like kind of the mental health thesis, so mm-hmm. to speak, so that whatever else happens in the chapter you'll look at it through that lens because that's what is the first thing that was presented to you. Um, and that that dialogue about agency actually came from an interview uh, that I did with a good homie of mine, um, Kai Davis. She's a really, really dope poet in the Philadelphia area. And she was doing a project on um, survivors of sexual assault, uh, which I am. And she uh, interviewed me about my process of healing. And one of the things I said in the interview was that uh, during like all my processing, I realized that like agency is something I always have. It's just not something that people always honor. Mm-hmm. And that, that's like a, a huge difference between like saying, I no longer have agency. It's like, no, the power is always yours. It's just a matter of if the people who you're in a community with are respecting that agency. Um, and then, you know, when you go through trauma, it does shape your mind in a way where you feel like 
it doesn't exist. It's like, yo, I experienced this. And so I'm these things now, or I feel these things or these things are to be true. And it's like, no, your power, it never went anywhere. Um, and I think that is a crucial uh, aspect of like what Nico is yeah. grappling with to mm -hmm. some degree. Um, and so I wanted to start with that. And then everything that follows after is kind of just like dropping you in the middle of the world, which I took from uh, is an idea that was influenced by this anime called Darling in the Franks. Mm. Uh, and basically, it's like a world where people live on like these uh, motorized, like floating island kind of things. Mm -hmm. uh, all the terminology in the anime is based off plants or whatever, but they just drop you in the middle of the world and you figure out what's going on based on the conversations that the characters are having and like what's going on. And I was like, I like that vibe, you feel me? And so those two things came together to make what is a uh, chapter one. That's what's up. Now, when, now when you're talking about agency, you're talking to, you're not necessarily talking about like business. You're talking about the action or intervention, basically how, how you described it is how trauma impairs our ability to acknowledge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, like, Oh no, no, go ahead. Yeah, so it's like uh, in that in that interview that I that I pulled my own quote from, which is weird to say. Um, one of the one of the it stood out. It's, yeah, it stood out. Thank you. One of the examples I gave was like, if I go to my boss, um, and I'm like, "Yo, I need a day off," and my boss says no, mm -hmm. I still have agency in that situation, and I actualize my agency by advocating for my day off. I, I requested a thing. Mm -hmm. My boss just didn't didn't honor it and said no, right? And you know what trauma does is like I could leave that situation, and then I could think I'm never allowed to have a day off. Yeah, where I have to earn my day off, and then I start to separate from my agency, which then also makes me separate from, to some degree, my accountability because now I become something. I become someone that everything is happening to because I no longer see my own power in the situation. And that's very much, that's very much Nico's mind state, for sure. Gotcha. Now, I wanted to ask about uh, the importance in breaking generational trauma, because generally, just in, just in the book itself, within the first couple of issues, uh, from, from, from what I've read so far, mm. uh, certain things are, are kind of like, in hindsight, you can see it. It's mm. there in plain, it's, it's there plain to see. Mm. So you, you have, you have a broken family. Mm -hmm. You have a brother who has not seen his sister in close to six years. Mm -hmm. um, you have references towards other family members in the form of abuse. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like it's it's a reflection, an open mirror, as you can you can literally hear from their conversations, how they talk to others, mm -hmm. that there is a mountain of abuse that's there. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. and in like river sense throughout the entire issue, she has this calm about her mm -hmm. where, you know, like she doesn't seem too angered by anything like she's almost completely still. But the thing is, once she's turned on to like another meter, mm -hmm. it's game over. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so and, and that's what just 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 from what I'm seeing. But. Mm -hmm. The importance in breaking gener generational trauma, I wanted to more so advocate to the fact that how you wrote this, uh, how you wrote the book and how it's basically depicted through the illustrations. Mm. How did you, all right, how did you basically get the characters 
to references us more so River than anything because she's more so the focal point in this issue. Mm -hmm. Um, to where she, she is. You can see it in her. How does she portray trauma? Mm, mm, mm. Cool. Okay. Um, let me see. How can I answer this? Uh, I follow White Manga, mm -hmm. um, who is the creator of Apple Black. Yeah. Um, which is adult Manga and Saturday AM. And he often does like tutorial videos on his YouTube. Um, he did this video. It's like 20 minutes long about semiotics and iconography. Um, and semiotics is basically like the visual association we make with things or symbols um, based on like whatever they, they mean. And one thing he said was when you're thinking about character designs, he was like, you should have three like staple things or images associated with that character and then build everything else around that. And those three images should have something to do with their personality and their backstory. Mm. Um, and so I was like, word, I like that. I follow that, that ideology. I did like tons and I did a lot of research before, um, before and during the world building process. Right. Um, and so when it came to River, I'm like, okay, her and Nico grew up in this, this household that was very much geared towards power. That is the language of their household. Um, Nico, and y'all haven't learned this yet, but uh, Savan, which is their father, he started training them at five. So um, River is two to three years older than Nico. I can't remember the age gap. I wanna say it's three though. Mm -hmm. And so when, when River was born, he started training her at five. And then when Nico was born, he started training him at five, right? So they've been trained to combat since five years old, right? And River is like 21 now, right? So that's um, a long ass time. And so given that, I was also thinking about, okay, how, as an older sibling, how would I react to this space? I kind of pull from my own life as well, because I'm an older sibling. I have a sister that's five years younger than me. Um, and we were not always in the safest environments either, right? Mm -hmm. And I very much have like a much calmer demeanor than my sister because I had to be the alert one. You mm -hmm. feel me? And she was at yep. the age where she didn't have that skill set. Um, and then it just spilled over into how I engage with everything, right? And so I'm like, okay, definitely want to have scars on her person because training from that that age you're going to be you're going to have scars i definitely want her to appear a more muscular woman yeah. um i actually have a pet peeve about how petite a lot of women characters are drawn to be it's true they are yeah when they're like i'm like bro wonder woman does not look anything like a gal gadot <laughs> you feel me At like she's not gonna be that small right mm -hmm. um and I think it's something that we also see a lot of in manga where there are these women characters that really be kicking ass, but they body type does not match. Like a little girl. Yeah, yeah, you feel me? Like even Sakura, right? Sakura gets a lot of hate. I personally don't hate Sakura as much as most people from Naruto. And she should be a little more stocky than she is to be as right. strong as she is, you feel me? Mm -hmm. uh, so I was like, definitely want her to have that build and I wanted her to have like 
I wanted her to almost appear like I am the woman version of my father. Mm. Not necessarily on purpose, but I wanted that to be her aesthetic. And the demeanor that she has is because y'all will eventually, even though Savan is dead, I have like, um, I have what I call like extra bouts, which are I'm doing all the flashbacks or majority of the flashbacks separate from the story. So they're like individual chapters on their own, like short chapters. Mm-hmm. And, um, I wrote, I recently just finished scripting out one with Savan in it. So y'all will like see him eventually. And like, when you do see him, it's like, okay, like, yo, this is like the same demeanor I got from River, but like times 10. Okay. So he plays even less games. Gotcha. Um, and so, yeah, just thinking about how can I fit all of that into her character, the same with like her transformation, um, because y'all haven't seen this yet either, but it is in chapter two. All the alchemists, they have like a hand gesture that they do, which is Nico's hand gesture. They're like artwork of him doing it to mm-hmm. like perform the transmutation. River doesn't have to do that. Um, and there, there's a reason why that like gets explained like right. with the first couple of chapters. Um, and so even that of like, I can access this power without having to do the things that everybody else traditionally does is also like, kind of like a metaphor and analogy as well because there are certain skill sets that I've picked up from being in like unsafe environments where I can access like my hypervigilance or I can access my hyperattentiveness yeah. way easier than like other people who were in that same setting because I adapted in a different way and mm-hmm. I want all of that to like be present in her character and be present in the first chapter because she isn't the main focus of the story but she is hella important. Oh, of course. And so, yeah, and I wanted everybody to like get to start to facilitate a relationship with her before they meet Nico, because Mm -hmm. you have to, you have to have some type of relationship with her for the story to do what it's supposed to do. I would think so, because I would, uh, the way I'm reading it, I'm like, okay, I got to understand River before I understand Nico. Yeah, yeah. You know, especially even, even with a lot of siblings, you know what I'm saying? Like you, when you come to meet like maybe one of them first, if it, maybe if it's only two of them in total, you know, and you meet the one and brother or sister, and then the one that you're actually like cool with, you will understand why that person's that way. Yep. <laughs> you, know? you know what I'm saying? The personalities mesh. Yeah. They grew up in the same house. So, yep. So be it. Um, now, when we're talking about world building and basically what the IFC, uh, has done in basically just garnering up fighters and building this sort of operation uh, mm-hmm. through this um, this ideal landlocked uh, uh, storyline that you built around this land called Jura. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. I, you you wrote a summary about it in the Kickstarter campaign. If you could if you could speak on it briefly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Jura is a predominantly black continent. Uh, it is a mixture of like modern it's kind of like in between modern and futuristic yeah uh, almost like um think like avatar but just like not with old cars and things okay um, uh legend of Korra specifically um and you know they spiritual practices are um a regular thing in the land so not everybody knows how to use like their spiritual abilities but people who can use spiritual abilities are not like 
an anomaly. Like, it's not like, oh, these are a special section of people. You know, that's why there's a whole sport built around it, right? Because it's, it's yeah. a thing um, that is immersed in the land. They, everyone in Jura, for the most part, believes in a deity called the Source, mm. um, which is a non-binary collective consciousness. Um, and everything is funneled through the source and everything is funneled out of the source is kind of how their religion goes. Gotcha. Um, there is a, a, a grouping of scrolls um, called the Scriptum Deus and there are four scrolls. And that's basically what all of uh, the information and religion around the source is based off of. Mm-hmm. And it in, in the mythology of the world is written by uh, the person who basically came to Jura and settled and started like all these things. Okay. Um, it's split up into eight countries. Uh, seven of the eight countries have government leadership. Um, each country kind of has like its own way. Some of some are monarchies, some are democracies. It really depends. Um, some are more military based. Uh, all of them except Canada, which is where the Amaruk are from. Um, they don't have a leader. There's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, every tribe basically governs itself within that. Um, all the seven leaders make up what's called the crown of Jura. Um, and what I was trying to do is there are certain parts of Jura that I kind of named to make it sound like the land is a body. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the rivers in Jura are called bloodlines instead okay. of rivers. Um, the crown of Jura, of course, are the, the seven leaders. Um, there is a, a, there are two like primary like lakes within the continent. Those are called the eyes of Jura. Um, just like, just playing around with that because the relationship with the land is kind of one of like living on an organism. Like they respect the yep. continent and those things. Um, each culture is very different, but one thing they all have in common is the belief in the source, and they all fuck with the IFC. Everybody's down to watch people <laughs> get, get their ass beat. Got you. <laughs> Got you. Now, later on in the story, uh, are you creating this in a way to where uh, the way that you just described it is being very tribal and there's factions involved? Mm-hmm. Uh, does that coexist later on in the so- in the story where uh, that plays a part in how the IFC basically operates as a whole? Does mm-hmm. it impact the relationships of Nico and River and and who they're more aligned with mm-hmm. going forth? Does that happen? Um, it doesn't right now as it exists. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for context, I've completely finished season one, which is fourteen chapters, mm-hmm. and started writing season two. And I, I know I know where it's going, right? Okay. So like, I have like, story beats that I definitely know I'm going to hit. And then there are things in between that I'm kind of mapping and like playing around with. Um, so as it stands right now, there will be no real impact on the IFC um, besides like the commentary. Um, right. And I will say for everyone that reads, like definitely pay attention to the commentary from um tone loke and uh and mr gray because their commentary actually is like giving out some like historical information low-key i figured that yeah yeah um 
And so like, I kind of use the IFC is almost like a medium to explain more things about the world, but in a way that like is exciting and doesn't feel like expedition. Um, but it, the cultures and tribal things definitely impact River and Nico mm. um, because there is a lot of shit that there's just a lot of mess that their father left. Yeah. Um, all of which River knows more about than Nico, but there's still all of it is like going to come back around to them in some fashion. Right. And it also plays out in the different character dynamics. Like in, in chapter two, y'all will get to see more about um, Anoki, Manu, and Shula, which are. Uh, Anoki is the the leader of the gym that Nico joins and Imanu and Shula are fighters under Anoki and they're all all three of them are from different cultures mm. um, and they're also all three from a different culture than Nico right and so it's going to it's definitely going to play out in their dynamics their understanding of each other and like how they interact um, and what they value for real, for real. Because uh, in Jurab, since most people are predominantly black, it's not really like an ethnicity thing. You're kind of identified by your culture more right. than you are by like anything else. Mm. Now, at one point in the book, River is, of course, uh, generally in, the, in, in this first issue, River is having a battle with a young challenger by the name of Julius. And she she basically says something to him that kind of like, I guess, it, it kind of gives away who she is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, she basically told Julius that um, his speed was commendable, but my father was faster. Mm-hmm. So it was like, man, okay, so this this young lady has gone through probably more more rough battles with her father than anything rather than the, most of these challenges that she's seeing from these dudes in the ring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the, yeah. when I read that, I was like, damn. Yeah, <laughs> right. I was like, okay. I like, man, like her dad must have been no joke. He is arguably, I would say he is the top, one of the top three strongest people to exist in the history of the continent. Mm. Um, Especially like, once y'all find out the story of, cause so, uh, you know, Savan, River, Nico, they're all of the alchemist culture. Mm. Um, okay. And alchemists are, I like repurposing things. Um, so like Atlanteans exist in this story, alchemists, but they all exist in like a way that like, not like the way you're used to seeing them necessarily. Yeah. Um, and so alchemists, their transmutation doesn't come in the way of like turning other materials into gold. It comes in the way of like turning their bodies into gold. Right. And so most alchemists are from um, this country called Immortalis. Um, Savan left there, Nico and River did not grow up there. They grew, they grew up where the story takes place, which is Sol Terra. Yeah. Um, so like, and there's a reason why Savan left. And there's a whole thing that happened 
the night he left that like once y'all actually see it y'all gonna be like yo nah this man is yeah yeah like he really he really is i don't want to say he's a horrible person right he's probably a very strong character but he has a violent streak yeah he has a he has a supreme violent streak and he didn't it's like one of those things where like he grew up in a like the alchemists are actually a privileged culture in the story um next to atlanteans they are known to have the closest connection with the source Mm. um and uh and i can't remember if i put this in a glossary or not in the back but alchemists are like in a constant state of building spiritual pressure right and they literally meditate not even just to like calm themselves but to stop themselves from becoming like vegetative because if if your spiritual pressure exceeds what your body is able to with withhold you literally like go into shock uh-huh. um, yeah and so like your body always has to be grown with your spirit and vice versa you feel me mm-hmm. um it's like a whole balance thing that I, I was really trying to articulate um and so like given that you know he is he was already like born into having a high spiritual pressure but because most alchemists are not as violent as him they also don't usually appear to be as strong as he is right but leaning into the violence it's like yo that's that's crazy you have a red hood type of situation where it's like you know bruce wayne trained everybody the same yeah you feel me but jason todd was like i'm actually gonna kill people <laughs> you feel me like and so he different than nightwing yeah. the other robin and like all those things and it's very much one of those type things and like yeah but he also will have an internal conflict that y'all will learn about as well because i, I don't i don't want to have any one-dimensional characters of um, i'm like i'm trying to be really intentional about that but I'm also just like doling things out because uh, that's how it works in real life. Like there are people in my family who I've had frictional relationships with until I learn more about them. And I'm like, oh, oh, that's why you're like that. And it doesn't make it doesn't make that shit OK, but it does give me understanding. And True. then I can show up and I can offer more grace and I can offer more space for mm-hmm. these things. And then we can navigate in a more healthy way because I now understand the things you weren't articulating, you feel me? And so I want the rollout in the manga to be similar to that, where it's like you develop whatever your thoughts are, whether it be love or hate, right? Mm-hmm. And then more information comes out and it's like, oh, maybe I maybe I shouldn't love them for this or maybe I shouldn't hate them for this, you know? And it's mm-hmm. like, I, I got to sit with that type of thing. True, true. Now you, you've discussed uh, Naruto quite a bit. What other animes have inspired this book um so i definitely say naruto is probably one of the biggest ones um and that is because i literally started watching naruto in middle school Mm -hmm. so me and naruto were the same age and (laughs) i i grew up with this man in the sense of like i remember when i was 25 is when he got married to hanata you feel mm-hmm. me? And so I'm like, yo, like, it's really, it's like really parallel. Right. Um, when you, when you get to see your characters grow like that, it's different. Yeah. Is that, that shit is different. 
And me and Sasuke have a lot in common because um, Sasuke is the last person um, alive with his family name. Because, uh, you know, Itachi dies eventually. Uh, and if whoever's watching this, if you didn't know that, I'm sorry. <laughs> but Naruto's been out for a while now. So it's like, it's, right. you know what I'm saying? Um, and I am uh, the last person in my family with my last name. Everybody else has a different last name now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I related to that. I come from my old family. So a lot of people have passed on. Uh, so there were like a lot of parallels. And um, I think that there was so much there that Kishimoto put to like work with. And I, I always just felt like, just what does it look like to tackle this from just like a more mental health standpoint? Like we're, we're literally watching 12 year olds get groomed for war. You oh, feel yeah. me? That, that shit hit you different. They not finna be yeah. all the ways that we were seeing them, you oh. know what I'm saying? Um, There's no normal days for those kids. Like they yeah. don't, they're not going to the grocery store with their mom or anything like that. There's no play time at the beach. No, they, they, it's training. I'm learning how to throw kunai. You feel me? Like that shit is different. Um, so that that definitely is a big inspiration. Um, and you know, reading the manga was a big inspiration. I will also say, um, I draw a lot of inspiration from, ironically enough, from like things that have nothing to do with anime sometimes. Okay um like poetry yeah um and and the things that being a poet in the community have instilled in me um i really like everything that one does so like one punch man mob cycle 100 the way that he writes overpowered characters i i thoroughly appreciate mm-hmm. um and then my hero academia specifically because my hero academia did something that i haven't seen many other anime do before it and it really is a focal point of the story they made a story that revolved around a hero that's no longer active yeah everything is about all might right mm-hmm. but he's not the main character you feel me like right he's he's, a, he's an inspiration piece now yeah yeah and we're watching everything happen but it's all happening because of All Might's actions. And what that does is it creates a world where your main character or main characters don't necessarily have to be the heroes because they didn't create the problem. Mm. And so that everything happening in the world exists outside of them and then we're just watching them be a part of it and i really really like that because that's one of the things that i hate about dragon ball z you feel me where it's like everything revolves around goku and goku is still very much active and if goku is not present nobody finna win right and that that whole dynamic is like everybody is basically a damsel in distress you already know with somebody engaging in a fight that they're not going to win because everything is set up for Goku to be the hero. But yep. when you have a story that's based around somebody that isn't active anymore, anyone can be the hero at any time. Like we see other people have dope moments besides Deku. You feel me? Um, and I was like, yo, I really want to have that vibe where you know the story is about Nico and what he's grappling with, but everybody has shining moments. You feel me? And nobody is dependent on Nico to show up 
to save them because everybody can hold their own. And right. so you never actually know who finna lose. And sometimes Nico gonna lose. You feel me? So it's like, yep. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, I feel like those are those are my biggest inspirations. So so you talk you talked about your spoke uh, spoken word poetry. Like how did you how were you able to transition? Because you, you've been in this community for a real long time. How were yeah. you able to transition? You you write poetry for a living. Yeah. You know, like uh into storyboarding in is in manga and in comic book writing. Like is I know this is like you know, of course, you know, this is your first series going into it, but like to actually like do it on this large scale and, mm -hmm. and to write the way that you do, like you're go you're you're writing, you know. Long form, yeah. long long form poetry into sectional panels yeah. and storyboarding yeah. sections and settings. It uh, so it's funny. Um, I started writing poetry in eighth grade, mm. right? Not because I wanted to, but because my English teacher, our end of the year project was to make a poetry book. I had never wrote a poem before, never heard a poem before. Never read a poem. I Shout out to her. What's her name? Uh, Miss Rado. Yeah, Miss Rado. She was a real one. Eighth grade English. And so, uh, yeah, I don't even think she really know. Like, she literally shifted the trajectory of my life. Um, but prior to doing that, I used to draw. And I literally would staple sheets of computer paper together and make comics. You mm. feel me? Um and then once I found poetry, I liked the way it made me feel better. And so I, I stopped drawing and like leaned into writing more heavily. But I think that that visual sense never, it never left me. I just cultivated it in different ways. Um, like I was rapping for a good period of time and I had a rap group and I did, I shot most of our music videos. I edited most of the music videos. I did most of like the album covers and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I was always working in spaces that were like um, nurturing my visual mind. It just wasn't comics, but right. because I consume so much manga and comics and like, I'm like a real nerd with this shit where it's like, I'm not strictly just reading, I'm like, looking at behind the scenes videos and I'm listening to interviews mm -hmm. and creators and like all that stuff. And I'm absorbing all of this. And so when it came time for me to like, when I decided I wanted to craft the story, which I first made this decision back in 2016. And I had, I literally have a Google drive with 13 folders. Cause I counted them 13 folders of different worlds and characters and stories and plots. And all of them are just ones that I couldn't stick with um, because I was I was writing things that I thought were entertaining and not things that I were was emotionally invested in. Right. And I was like, well, something has to be wrong if I'm not sticking with these things. Like, because I, I didn't think. I'm a very spiritual person and. Um, I didn't think I was doing something I wasn't purpose to do. Mm -hmm. so it has to be my approach that's the problem you feel me so i went down like this rabbit hole of research about like writing a manga best practices so on and so forth and all of that helped me streamline my skill set in a way that made the transition easier and then because i did i had like a visual background with like digital media and photography and all these things Basically, the way I, I broke it down for myself is whatever I write, I'm now 
just breaking it down into screenshots. That's mm-hmm. it. So it's like a movie. And so like when I'm writing, the script in my head is actually playing out like in motion. You feel me? And then I'm like, okay, where are the freeze frames that articulate these motions the best? And then that's how I break the script down into panels. Um, Cause like my scripts, they actually say like panel one, this is what's happening. And then the dialogue panel two, this is what's happening in the dialogue. Right. Um, and yeah, so it's like, it's kind of like a multi-step process for me, but all of that was just cause of how many hours I put into to research, honestly, and like absorbing game from all these other creators I was watching on YouTube and like breaking that stuff down. Dope, dope. So, so let's talk about uh, your publishing company, Black Minds Publishing. Mm-hmm. What is it? And and of course, I want you to speak to your partnership with uh, Tommy Horsey. Yes, yes. Uh, so Black Minds Publishing is a national publications platform geared towards the personal and professional growth of Black creatives. Um, so we offer various publishing packages for Black uh, authors, and that can be, um, you know, cookbooks, poetry books, self-help books. If you have a comic or anything, well, I won't say right now you could apply for, with a comic, but that is a goal. I want to be able to facilitate that as well. Gotcha. Um, but we also uh, help with just foundational career building things. So we make EPKs, we help formulate artistic bios, we help you read through your um, social media analytics to figure out what's the best way to approach promotion. Um, we help like get all of that stuff together. We do logo design, all of that. Uh, because I really wanted to create a space where I could utilize all the things I've done for myself mm-hmm. in a way that help artists have sustainable careers. And that's also why I don't take any royalties. So like when you publish with us, you pay us whatever is um, required for like the publishing package that you choose. Yep. And after that, we don't touch none of that money. All the money you make from your book goes to you um, strictly. And so, you know, I really want people to be able to uh, build a foundation for themselves that they can like then spring springboard off of and any way I can help with that, I'm down. And uh, Tommy, I actually met, um, I used to be the creative director for this organization called Urgent 365. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are still active actually, and they are running, they're collecting donations right now for their annual trunk party. They do a trunk party every year that uh, provides essential living items to students of color who are going to live on campus their first year. Okay. So, you know, you can find them at Urgent365 on all social media. But yeah, I was their creative director and Tommy was the vice president. Mm. Um, And so we became friends just through... through a mutual friend, because we were both friends with the president of the organization, uh, Jasmine Hawkins. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he's like a big nerd, just like me. And so, you know, spending time chopping it up. And yep. I uh, I told him I was working on a manga and I, I brought it to him in like the really early stages, right? I was like, yo, I'm thinking about doing this sports manga, but it's like, they have superpowers in the MMA. And he was like, nigga, what? And I was like, yo, like, I was like, yo, you just trust me. And he was like, look, bro, I trust you as a writer. I heard your poems, you feel me? I know your work. Right. I'm I'm gonna just, you know, I'm gonna take your word for it. 
so, you know, I start crafting things out and I'm just talking to him more as I'm like crafting him and sharing more information with, of the story. And one day um, he was taking me back home and he was like, yo, I was thinking about your manga and uh, I had this cool idea for a character. And I was like, oh, okay, run it by me. And at that time, I, uh, I really wasn't looking to have any assistance with the yeah. manga. Um, mainly because I struggle with trusting people creatively, um, mm -hmm. because I, I'm bougie. That's the best way to put it. You feel me? Like, I'm I'm bougie. I like really high quality shit. You feel me? Right. Like all around the board. Like there, there is no area in my life where I don't like things to be quality mm -hmm. and not that other people don't, but I think my idea of quality is just very specific and sometimes me and other people don't align right yeah um and so i just be mindful of that and i think also because i was part of that rap group and that dissolved i probably have some like ptsd from that shit for real for real for real because it, it didn't it didn't necessarily dissolve amicably uh-huh gotcha. um so he was like yeah i was thinking about this character who can like change his body depending on what he needs to do like in a fight and he was like you know if he has to have a fighting style that requires him to be bulkier he can like bulk up or if he has to, a fighting style that needs him to be slimmer he could slim down and da 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 yeah. that character eventually became asta um yeah. who is the the character with the um pigmentation of vitiligo mm -hmm. uh, and that that still is like a part of his character i reworked it a little bit but when he was telling me the idea i was like yo that shit sounds dope and then that gave me faith in his ability to give me input. Cause like one thing I'm real big on is like all help is not good help. It's true. Like sometimes people try to help you based off what they think you should be doing instead of what you articulated you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. um, and Tommy showed me that he was trying to help me based off what I told him I was trying to do and not what he thought the manga should be for himself. Got right? you. And so I was like, yo, do you want to like, be the editor and he's like he's a very particular person like he's like the this this doesn't make sense right here like he's that guy he's, so, a, he's a proofreader yeah yeah so he was like yeah absolutely so he started reading over the scripts he holds me accountable for continuity things he holds me accountable if he feels like characters have dialogue that don't match how they've been showing up previously or where he understands them to be going because of course he knows like most of what I have planned out about the story. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it's been really amazing uh, working with him. And like, he's actually my friend too. So it's like right. having like that connection where he knows me outside of the work, I think helps him show up even better as an editor because he knows where like I'm pulling from. He knows where these things are coming from. He knows like what they mirror in real life. And sometimes he can give me that push of like, yo, this sounds like this conversation you had with such and such, you know, maybe you can tweak it so that you can include like that nuance that you explained to me about that actual conversation you had. You feel me? And so it's like that. Yeah, yeah it's, it's been dope. I recommend everybody, if you are working on a project, have somebody that you trust and that understands your vision reading over that shit because we're, you're not going to catch everything. Right. And sometimes as the creator, you're juggling so much because I'm I'm already 
like at the end of the story in terms of like what I'm thinking about, right? Like it's yeah. so much shit I'm thinking about that y'all haven't even seen. It's good to have somebody who ain't thinking about none of that. And it's just like, no, this doesn't make sense right now. Like in real time, you feel me? Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, cause I, I've read a good amount of works where I'm like, you don't have an editor. Okay. <laughs> and, and I can tell. Right. You feel me? Yeah. Got you. So like for, for anybody uh, that's looking to get their hands on issue one, and of course uh, with, the, with the Kickstarter still, still live right now, how can they reach out to you in order to see your work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, we are on IG at Immortal Dark Manga. Everything is spelled exactly how it sounds. Um, the link in the bio right now is to the Kickstarter. And I would recommend if you want chapter one um, to just back the Kickstarter, because then you could potentially get chapter two as well, depending on what rewards here you got. But if you are impatient and you want to, you know, right now, um, we now have an official website, immortaldarkmanga.com. So you can go there and uh, there is a purchase link to a digital download of the first copy. Um, But the Kickstarter, the Kickstarter has... For chapter one, it has an exclusive cover that will not be available outside of the Kickstarter. Um, so yeah, shout out to uh, uh, Flatliner seventy four. He did the the artwork for the exclusive cover. Um, and yeah, once the Kickstarter is done, that's going to be the only that's the only only time you'll be able to get that. So I recommend back in the Kickstarter. But yeah, you can go to immortaldarkmanga.com and there's links for for chapter one and the art book that we have also. Dope. So, brother, I appreciate you doing this with me. No, thank you, man. No, no, absolutely, man. This has been this has been, this has been wonderful, man. Especially just getting to know you and exactly what you're putting together on the page and how you've actually how you've actually crafted it. It's been mm-hmm. it's, it's excellent to see. So, a week left in the Kickstarter, mm-hmm. but yet they can go to immortaldarkmanga.com. Yes, yes. Reach out to the brother, get the books, put them in your hands. Hope to see more of you, bro. For real, you know, look, I, you definitely will. And uh, if no one tells you this, which I, I, I will hope, I hope people have. I really appreciate your thoroughness with with the interview, bro. Like I appreciate people who like really deep dive and like take time to like really absorb the material because it shows that you actually care and that you invested. You feel me? And you're not just here to like get views or be on a platform it's like yo nah i'm actually deep diving into this material and i am sitting with it because it deserves that you feel me and that is that is more rare than i think we are uh always aware of and so i appreciate you for that bro for real absolutely man it's the only way you know what i'm saying the only way to respect the art form is to actually respect it by reading it yo for sure for sure so from james grand master facts boys james enoch church We are out.